Hello everyone, I'd just like to add a correction for the last cast. Jamie incorrectly suggested last time that he'd been drinking cynicism instead of beer. Of course it only counts as cynicism if it comes from the Cynac region of France uh, and I did check and Jamie was actually drinking sparkling scepticism. Uh, we do apologise for that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh you're wonderful but wow. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> On with the cast. Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Brainwaves. We are doing a special live episode for you today. It has been, you know what, I don't even remember how long it's been since I was on an airplane, but we are now here at the Messe Essen Exhibition Centre in Essen, Germany for Essen Spiel 2020 uh, J- live. Jamie. J- J- I'm here with Jamie. my portable J- Jamie. podcasting equipment. Yes, Ian, what can I do for you? Uh, um, I, uh, there's a big sign on the door that says it's been cancelled. I do not see this big sign on the door. I see this big sign on the door. Hello. Oh. Hi, nice to meet you. Sorry I was a bit late tonight. I'm glad I finally made it to Essen. Whoa, what a journey that was. Uh, Ian, Ian, have you seen the sign on the door? Oh. Oh, not again. Again? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been cancelled, guys. I'm I'm just checking the internet, and um, I mean our hotel reservation's still there, so we can go and record in the hotel. I, I, I wonder why it was so cheap. I I I just assumed everyone had forgotten this year. You know, there's been other things going on. Well, it is what it is, I guess. Okay, back to the hotel room. German beer or two. We could Get just the do podcast it. Out of the way. We could just do it in the convention hall itself, and just a big empty convention hall, just the three of us, socially distanced, of course. Yeah, that's true. Bit bit echoey. That's true. Um, I'm going back to Glasgow. Small, ho- small hotel room. Okay, okay, I'm, go- I'm okay. I'm I'm go- I'm going with with one of you, Ian's. Let's let let's go. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, what we get sorted out. This is Brainwaves episode fifty nine, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the twenty sixth of October, twenty twenty. Wizards vs. Weiss, or Wizards vs. Vice, take your pick, in Western Washington. Awards accolades also accrue again. And chess cheating crisis continues. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Yes, we're back with Wizards of the Coast for our first headline of this podcast. Dragonlance is a much-beloved shared universe originally created by Laura and Tracy Hickman, the first novel of which was released in 1984. Since then, the series has held a beloved place in Dungeons & Dragon history and lore, and has been continued by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman are now taking Wizards of the Coast to court for breaking a multi-million dollar deal involving this franchise. In 2017, the pair approached Wizards to write a new Dragonlance trilogy, something the suit says they believed would be the capstone of their careers. As Wizards owned the rights to Dungeons and & Dragons, and Dragonlance is a setting for that game, permission was needed from Wizards. An agreement was drawn up, and the pair started working. Around August the 13th of this year, 2020, during a conference call with Wizards and their representatives, the pair learned that Wizards would no longer approve any further drafts of the first book in the new series effectively ending the contract. 
Wizards have given no explanation for this as yet. Weiss and Hickman's lawyers state that this is a backdoor way to end the agreement, and in doing this, Wizards knew exactly what it was doing. They are now seeking compensation. The suit claims that the reason for this was to do with Wizards being embroiled in accusations of sexism and racism, both within the company structure and within products themselves, something we have reported on in previous casts. It's extraordinary to see Wizards doing this kind of thing, considering how many public hits they've taken recently. I guess the question is, how much more can they take in the public sphere? How many more hits can they take of doing terrible things to people? I think they've adopted one of the Netrunner identities, where you get bad publicity in exchange for cash. Just big bags of cash. Well, they did buy back the rights to Netrunner. They have the rights to Netrunner now, so maybe they're planning a new release. I did see it, actually, yeah. They, are they talking... There are rumours about some kind of cyberpunk Wizards of the Coast game. That would make me forgive a lot of the nonsense they've done. Would it, Well, though? not really. The, the, those those rumours have been <laughs> circulating for a while. New I'm ones. I'm not sure if they're actually true or not. Yeah. It's an extraordinary suit. We'll bring you more information as that comes. I mean, I, I was never a big reader of the sort of Dungeons & Dragons books, either of you guys still. I have never played Dragonlance, but I did play a fair bit of 2nd edition AD&D for which I believe it was second edition that Dragonlance was written, uh, you know, it's kind of part of. You know, it's, it's kind of another high fantasy setting with some really great, you know, like Krinish Minotaurs, um, and like a wonderful example of the setting. But then again, Dragonlance also has some things that are possibly best left forgotten. For example, Kender uh, and Gully Dwarves. Now, Kender are basically Dragonlance's attempt to make halflings less kind of based on thievery, because 2nd ed AD&D, and indeed 1st edition AD&D, had racial and class restrictions, so halflings were best suited for being thieves, for example, and half-elves were best suited for being fighters and bards. But uh, Kendar are kind of halflings with kleptomania, but in lore they're so cute and so innocent that they could pretty much get away with almost anything with a, oh, I didn't mean to. And gully dwarfs are an example of just what if we wrote dwarves, but just as really, really bad kind of dregs of society. And if you have any opinions on the Dragonlance novels, please send them to jamie at giantbrain.co.uk. Listen, I, 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 speak, I speak with very light uh, interaction with the Dragonlance franchise, and it is through other works that it has bled into. Uh, you know. Anyway, Jamie, you've got your awards Homburg on, I see, so it's time to tell us what's been going on in the world of yet more awards. Oh, yes. It's, I've, I told you, I've, I've stuck up a wee, um, a wee plinth next to my, my uh, laptop here for it. Yes, snugly on my head, I can announce the International Gamers Award, Game of the Year 2020. I lost track of how many times I said game. I did only say it twice, I think, but you know. It's just the nominees as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the nominees. Uh, now, this award was founded in 1999 for the purpose of recognising outstanding games designers and the companies that publish them. The nominees are Azul Summer Pavilion, Barrage, Imperial Struggle, The Crew Quest for Planet Nine, and Maracaibo. The one that causes slight uh, question concern. is Maracaibo. Yeah, I'd say maybe concern, uh, mainly just due to the theme of Mediterranean colonialism. Again. Again. <laughs> Again, yes. <laughs> I am genuinely interested in Barrage. That's like, I think it looks like a really cool system. 
and the idea of just screwing with other players by controlling the water upstream sounds genuinely great. Barish is one of those games I want to play, but I would never be able to get to my table because, let's face it, generating electricity by water is a hard sell as a theme. <laughs> Fair. But being water barons and stealing other people's money, I think that's a better theme. I mean, we did play that's brass true. together, so we are all, are all about that uh, industrial stealing from each other. Anyway, yeah, yeah. The, yep. the awards are chosen by a committee, funnily enough, which draws its members from around the world. As noted by There Will Be Games journalist and boss of the site, Shelley Uber-Rose, 20 out of the 21 members of the committee are white men. Now, kind of slightly galling for, for me, and I think, I, if I can speak for you gentlemen, for the rest of the Brainways team. Yep. Because you've got to be invited onto the committee, and last time I checked, you know, this is talking about games from around the world. You know, the committee is from around the world. 20 out of 21 people around the world are not white men. No. There's one woman. (laughs) One white woman on that. There's no one of colour. Good job. We award your committee zero prizes. (laughs) Yeah. The awards will be announced by the time the podcast goes out, so we'll see who's actually won. But yeah, it'd be nice to see this um, award be awarded by a more diverse panel of experts. Yeah, just a panel that more accurately represents people at large. Yes. Anyway, Ian, the world of chess has got even more cheaty. Indeed. If you listened to the last episode of Brainwaves, you will have heard us chat about a grandmaster insulting another grandmaster and an entire team being barred. Well, this week we are talking about yet another scandal. Uh, this time, this is news is coming from The Guardian. Um, which has highlighted a veritable plague of cheating going on in online chess. The sport's governing body, FIDE, employs models to detect suspicious patterns of play. Its general director, Emil Sotovsky, described it as a huge topic I work on dozens of hours each week. And its president, Arkady Dvorkovich, said computer doping was a real plague. Programs that can rapidly calculate near-perfect moves lie at the heart of the problem. This has led to participants in matches being required to be filmed from multiple angles while playing, having a proctor search the room and sit with them throughout the match, and in some cases requiring players to not leave their screen while participating. Chess.com, the world's largest site for online play, has seen 12 million new users this year, compared to 6.5 million last year. Last year they were banning around 5 to 6,000 players a month for cheating, and now it's hit a high of 17,000 players banned in August. (laughs) The growth in cheating has led to a sense of paranoia and suspicion around online chess play. Lower-level chess matches have not been immune to cheating. Sarah Longson, former British ladies' champion who runs a UK school's chess challenge, said at least 100 of 2,000 online participants cheated, including that some were playing at the level of world champion Magnus Carlsen, but not many have admitted it. So, gents, have we ever cheated in a board game? Probably, it depends what you mean by cheating. Like, I've definitely allowed people to take back turns and that kind of thing as learning when learning a game. I think learning a game is different because if it's people who mm. don't know the rules, you're allowed to mulligan a couple of things and go, "Listen, if you don't understand, that's absolutely fine." If it turns you yeah, in the middle yeah. of a game that you know, with people that you know, have you bent the rules in your favor and tried to be sly about it? And I'll happily and I'll happily admit and go, "Yeah, I've done it a couple of times." don't think I have, but probably. Not that I remember, but very likely. I have done it as the Invigilator in co-op games. 
occasionally oh. when things have been going badly and we miss a rule instead of catching that rule occasionally i've just been like oh you know what the game's going badly i'll just let that slide yeah i yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, i'll you know admit that if you want to play games with me re- now i don't cheat now i've you know I've, I've had i've had my time with it i'm like yeah this is fun enough i didn't enjoy it and as I don't know, I don't Ian. I think we'll have to keep an eye on him next time. We oh games. goodness! Listen, I have enough. <laughs> I get enough anger from playing Among Us online and people cheating on that. That's my <laughs> blood boiling topic right now. But this is a board game podcast, not a video game podcast. How do you even cheat in that game? Actually, oh, there's a couple of hacks people have done, which is you know, you can hack the lights in the game. So someone has they've got programs where they hack the lights. The lights are always off. There's ones where players doors are always locked no matter what you do there's one where normally you have a uh, a kill cooldown but they've frozen that so basically it allows you to kill with impunity wow that seems astoundingly pointless it you yeah. know what it is astoundingly pointless about as pointless as people just quitting out of a game like three seconds in because they're not the imposter Ooh. wow it 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 just dis i say it disappoints me and enough about Among Us, let's get amongst the rest of the news. Oh, this guy. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Jamie, staying with chess. It's rappers and chess. I can't believe that we have got so much chess news over the past kind of two weeks. This is madness. Yeah, so October the 10th, was National Chess Day in the United States, funnily enough, announced by Gerald Ford in 1976. And this year, Chess.com and Hennessy, the makers of Cognac, organised the Make Your Move charity livestream on Twitch to benefit the charities 100 Black Men, the Hispanic Federation, and the Asian American Business Development Centre as uh, part of the Hennessy Unfinished Business Initiative, which supports Black, Latinx, and... Asian American small businesses with grants. You know, it's a very, very worthy cause. Now, the Make Your Move charity live stream had Rizza and Jizza, who are cousins and founding members of the legendary hip hop band the Wu Tang Clan, playing chess against streamers Nate Hill and I Am Brandon. Now, I realize, and we all realize, that we are three white middle class guys. And I have drawn the short straw to talk about hip hop. Strap in, this is going to be interesting. Now, the overall winners of these games would go up against Maurice Ashley, who is the world's first black grandmaster and member of the US Chess Hall of Fame in a finals match. Now, we're not going to tell you what happened. If you want to go and and watch the games, you're more than welcome to. If you go to Make Your Move or Google Make Your Move, uh, you can find the the live stream. Uh, Interesting enough, when it came to the final match, uh, whoever was facing against Morris Ashley had 10 minutes to make their move, and Morris Ashley had one minute to make his move. So it's a, you know, it's it's a little bit of, um, little bit of attempting to balance the scales somewhat. If you're wondering why uh, Rizza and Jizza were there, they, they weren't just there for, for the kicks. Um, they're actually both huge fans of chess. Uh, now, the Mystery of Chess Boxing is a song on the Wu-Tang Clan's debut album. Jizza released a chess-themed album called Grand Masters in 2005. Rizza is also the director of development for the Hip Hop Chess Federation and has won its championships multiple times. So before you start sneering going, these hip-hop fans play in chess. Yes, yes, and they're very good at it. 
better than much better than I could ever be. That's fantastic. It's it's brilliant, and I hope I didn't embarrass myself too much. That might be the best thing we've reported on in a while. That's that's brilliant. Um, I'd like to make a quick coll- uh, correction at the end of this article. That is, I should have said Latinx. My apologies. Moving on from rappers and chess to rappers with Pokemon cards. Ian C., I believe you have a little story about this. Yes. Sir Robert Bryson Hall II, better known as the Rapper Logic, bought a Pokemon card for $220,000. The card is Gem Mint 10, first edition Charizard number 4, which means it's a perfect quality Pokemon card. Logic says he was a Pokemon fan as a child, but could never afford the cards, so this is him living the dream now. This is news after last month's sale of a sealed first edition box of Pokemon cards sold for $198,000 at auction, while a similar set sold for just $78,000 in 2019. So Pokemon cards are on the rise, basically. Yeah, I guess if you want a long-term investment... Pokemon yeah. cards. Buy yourself Pokemon a box of Pokemon cards. Yeah, it's never gone away. You know, I mean, it's twenty-one years old. About that in the UK, and it's just, it's you know, it's still. I think it's the is it the biggest multimedia franchise that I think there is by, right now by revenue. It's something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. In history, um, I'm also going to make a thing. It's like, oh, it's the first edition Charizard. Yeah, the Charizard card was really good. I'm going to say this right now. I don't like Charizard as a Pokemon. I find it boring. Yeah, it's a bit rubbish. It's a bit. Yeah, that's right. No Venus Send right. all complaints to jamie at giantbrain.co.uk. Trust me, mate. My Gen 1 starter was always Bulbasaur, because Venusaur was great, and Ibasaur is great. I've moved on to Water Pokemon, Squirtle, Water Turtle, Blastoise. Blastoise, he had cannons on his back. Come on, that's cool. Squirtle has sunglasses as well. Clearly exactly. the optimal Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, they all fall foul beneath the greatest Pokemon of them all. Farfetched. It's literally a duck with a leak. This is why people listen to this podcast for the news. Oh, yes. I learned to play the Pokemon card game, and I actually really enjoy it. (laughs) And with that bombshell, over to Ian M with news about Geek Retreat. Yes, Geek Retreat, purveyor of all things nerdy, from comic books to Dungeons and Dragons, have been expanding over the last few years. Uh, Originally starting out with a single store in Glasgow in around 2012, the company now has 14 UK sites. Geek Retreat operates on a franchise model, so you sort of sign up to them and you run your own version of a Geek Retreat store with assistance from a central office. Uh, They have now got plans to open 100 new stores in a COVID-safe way. They're aiming to open about five stores a month from the start of 2021, and those plans being a little bit subject to change depending on local restrictions, obviously. They're currently looking at sites in Bournemouth, Northampton, Liverpool, Southampton, Dumfries, Cardiff, and Sutton in London, and they're planning to create around about 600 jobs. The games and hobby sector at the moment in the UK is valued at around about 8 billion in the UK, and is predicted to expand by 3% in 2020. There's been a lot of um, news out of sort of board game shops and that kind of thing that basically the pandemic has seen an uptick in sales of board games because people are home and looking for things to do. But can they really open this number of stores if people can't gather? Like stores like this, hobby stores, we really rely on a community to be there. And if you can't gather, if you can't run D&D, if you can't like run Magic the Gathering, how are these stores going to survive? What do you think, gents? Yeah, so I've had a look, a bit more of a look into this story, and all I've found is this same press relief across maybe 10 different sites. 
like all big genuine news sites like the BBC and Daily Express and that kind of thing. So you said big news sites and include the word Daily Express. <laughs> Sorry, it was the Daily Herald, I think. But yeah, all just... It all says the same thing. They are planning to open 100 sites. They're looking at yeah, these I think, five I think cities. Entirely subject to change, understandably considering the glo- global coronavirus pandemic. I mean, this is a sort of statement companies put out all the time, like especially if they have any kind of investors or, or intentions of that, that ilk, then this is the sort of thing companies say all the time, like, we're planning to do this. These are plans for the future, that kind of thing. But, I mean, maybe they're... I, I believe they've got some sites on some sites here and there, but I, I don't know whether that's con- how much of that's confirmed or not at the moment. I think the Bournemouth one's pretty close to being confirmed. I mean, I think there's a solid... To put things in a very cynical light, there are a lot of board game places that have and a lot of small cafes that have closed down this year. Mm. So if COVID ends... And people are able to go to more cafes, or if cafes suddenly start getting more support from the government rather than the absolutely nothing that they're getting at the moment, then yeah. there are a lot that could spring up, or and a company like Geek Retreat could absolutely just take over yeah. that market, especially with their franchise market. I, I mean, I'm about to say something very obvious, which is I haven't been to Geek Retreat in a while, which is, duh, pandemic. But even beyond that, I haven't been... In a wee while, I used to go very regularly um, when it opened up in Glasgow in I think like yeah. 2012. Yeah, I just started drifting away as kind of I got there were kind of other things slightly busy, slightly getting slightly busier. Um, you know, went to uni. Yeah, well, so Sam and I went to the Edinburgh one at the start of the year b- before um, everything happened. For everything happened, but, but well, yeah, um, but that is now shut down. So that's just an example, of, like a franchise, a, fr- a franchise geek retreat that has opened and shut down because of the pandemic. And yeah, like. We all hope that, like, by sort of like mid twenty twenty one, there'll be a vaccine or something for for COVID. There'll be better treatments or or something like that. But that is very speculative right now. Yeah, and who knows how what impact that's going to have on board gaming and the convention scene. And we'll bring you more on this as it comes. If we hear about sites opening in your area, we'll we'll let you know. Uh, as to our own COVID restrictions right now, Scotland's just gone into a bunch of new sort of tiers, um, and the what tier our air, different areas will be in will be announced in about a week's time or not so we might be almost fully locked down again or somewhere in between mm. all those things who knows anyway jamie talking about conventions the last uk convention standing has cancelled yeah the last domino has fallen which is the state a statement uh, from dragon meat now most had already presumed that dragon meat would be cancelled in its physical form and we, the statement says, are here to confirm that now. The reason why we waited as long as we did is because we wanted to be sure of what we were offering in its place. Now, Dragon Meat are going to be offering a smaller online convention, are opting for seminars, some live games and demonstrations. Now, they've stated they can't go as far as other conventions, like, oh, I don't know, let's pick one randomly out of the air, Essenspiel, uh, for budgetary reasons. Basically, they're keeping the powder dry for next year when hopefully the physical convention can go ahead. Now, Dragon Meat will be taking place online from the 5th of December and is running over the weekend, I believe, Ian? I think so, yeah. Lisa? Uh, If you are interested in running a game at Dragon Meat, we will provide a link in the show notes. So have a little look there. I know, Ian, you've been down to Dragon Meat a fair bit. Yep. 
well, great, great little convention. Like, well, used to used to be a, a sort of very role playing game specific convention. Now has expanded massively in the last few years to cover a wide range of gaming, board games, role playing games. It's still very got an RPG focus. I think you'll find a lot of like really cool RPG publishers down there, like Rowan Rook and Deckard, uh, people like that. So that that's always good to check out. But there are loads of board game publishers down there as well, like Inside the Box, who's London based, uh, and. Uh, various others so yeah well we're checking out for a lo- for loads of people game- games on all day if once it comes back around um, yeah great con really good ian i believe there is some news about some some hiring some sad leavings in the upper echelons of uh, board game companies yes indeed it's always good to keep an eye on the comings and goings at the top of companies because they those people steer what we see in the board game world so Habit usa is going to be getting a new ceo uh Habit, if you don't know them they're purveyor of many fine games including rhino hero and the kinderspiel the yard from this year winner hedgehog roll uh, they've appointed a new ceo to the north america division that is Willie Wilkov. Uh, he'll be taken on the role and charged with building connections with the other divisions of the company that include apparel, furniture, and educational products. I didn't realize Haba did that kind of thing, but there you go. Wilkov has an e-com and marketing background, most recently serving as a VP of digital commerce at Tommy International. That's a very large toy company, if you're not familiar with what, them. Tommy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pop-up yeah. pirates, a barrel of fun. <laughs> I, I, I straight Thanks up Thanks very much to Tommy for sponsoring this particular podcast. <laughs> I, I straight up love uh, Pop-Up Pirate. I think it's great. Also I mean, Hennessy. Who doesn't? Also Hennessy. <laughs> Tommy and Hennessy. That's a combination I never thought we'd have together. <laughs> Pop-Up Cognac. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he also has some gaming experience from spending three years with PlayFusion, who were the publishers of the Lightseekers trading card game, if anyone remembers that, as chief marketing officer and general manager. We also have some news from Hasbro. The Hasbro president is retiring. President and chief operating officer of Hasbro, John Frascotti. He's going to be retiring on March 31st, 2021. He'll continue to work for the company as a special advisor to CEO Brian Goldner for a year after. Goldner said of Frascotti, he has played a pivotal role in our evolution from a traditional toy and game company to a global play and entertainment leader. Uh, We wish... uh, both these people, best of luck in their future endeavours. Uh, but some more changes at Hasbro. Do you, do you reckon that's good or bad for Hasbro? What, they've, they've been shedding some companies recently after all their acquisitions over the last couple of years. Some changes at the top. Was that sort of speaking to them moving somewhere else recent, moving somewhere else in the future? I think any new advisor is going to be in the new position of Hasbro, of the position of Hasbro of the last few years, which is large global company that is a conglomerate yeah rather than being a small small toy and game focus it's much more like they say sort of entertainment focus exactly yeah worldwide yeah yeah i mean the ceo staying on to advise for another year is a clear kind of classic don't panic stockholders this is all going to be very sensible a smooth transition of power as it were exactly indeed yeah We would like to say a special thanks to our executive producers on Patreon, the Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe, who hold a special place in our hearts, and Sean Newman from the Game A Lot team. Uh, if you'd like to support us, then please check out the Patreon or the Support Us page on the site for a variety of ways, um, including please check out Metallic Dice Games link on that site, which we get a small cut of, which helps us do things like buy a microphone or potentially buy me a webcam so Ian and Jamie can see my terrible face as I chat away. Yeah, maybe that's a bad idea. 
Yeah, maybe not the best. Don't buy advice. Don't buy any. <laughs> <laughs> we go live to Jamie, who's wearing some strange shoes. How dare you? These are, well, I'm wearing some potential shoes. Oh, that's right. There's been an announcement from an American footwear company called Plainview Shoes. And you're going, so this is a board game podcast. What have shoes got to do with it? Well, hold your horse meeples and I'll tell Cheap. you. Hold your sheep, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Plain, that's kind of given it away, indeed. Plainview Shoes... Family ha- show. Fam- hey, hey, there's nothing wrong with sheep. Plainview Shoes has announced that they will be releasing a series of footwear inspired by the seminal, I think I think it's enough to say iconic now, uh, Catan. Or Settlers of Catan, if you're listening in uh, 2015 or before. Hi, everybody. You've no idea what awaits you. Get out. Get out now. Sorry. Now, designs for the shoes will incorporate elements of Catan's unique design language and in-jokes around trading, building, and settling, according to David Harris, who is Plainview's creative director. Alexander Team, licensing manager at Asmodee Entertainment, has said, We know how important Catan is for its fans. Trading, building, and settling is is an integral part of many of their social lives be it through regular gaming nights or through Catan tournaments. The game is a regular social anchor for many, and with its elegant, nature-focused design elements, it has already become a lifestyle brand. <laughs> now, apparently Hot Topic in America has had some <laughs> Catan-themed apparel. Didn't realise Catan was a lifestyle brand. Anyway, the shoes will be Living coming out... Living the Catan uh, life. <laughs> Living that Catan life. You didn't choose it, it chose you. <laughs> the shoes will be out in 2021 although you know what the designs are what the range is going to be like that remains to be seen nothing's been officially announced yet beyond it is being made oh also also and we may have said this already but Catan is 25 this year Catan has massive appeal and I it was one of the first games I picked up in the, in the hobby I talked about it um, in the influences piece I wrote recently but I think that's quite different to being a lifestyle brand. <laughs> Mate, you, you're, not, you're not living a Catan life, you know. You've got, you got to get out Apparently there. Apparently not. you got to get out there, get that I've got, stone, I've got to get, get out sheep. there and tra- got, got to trade them things for sheep. Got to build those roads. Man, come on. Did the app come out? You know, was, the app that was like Pokemon Go, but Catan. We reported on it a few casts ago. I am going to Google that. Is that out yet? I think Niantic is still working on, uh, I think it's called Catan World Explorers. It's strange how that comes straight to my head. Yeah, that's I, I definitely, I definitely take umbrage with trading, building, and settling as an inter- integral part of many of their social lives. Ian, what? Ian, you have no idea what most people's social lives are like. Uh, I mean, that's a fair, that's a fair comment. <laughs> what's the next lifestyle brand? I mean, are we going to be looking at say oh, wow. Dixit or Ticket to Ride? Gloomhaven. Obviously. For the record, Catan World Explorers by Niantic Inc is available on the Google Play App Store. It has a rating of 2.7 out of 5. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> wow. While we get confused about like Catan being a lifestyle brand, we'd like to very much thank you very much for listening to this rambling nonsense that is our show. <laughs> if you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rain on iTunes. That really helps us out, and we really appreciate everyone who takes the time to review the show. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us as usual on all normal social media places, so Twitter at the Giant Brain, Instagram Giant Brain UK, Facebook we're the Giant Brain. Main website is GiantBrain.co.uk, where you can find a variety of ways to support the show if you'd like to. 
and you can email us about any stories you'd like us to cover or anything any thoughts on stories we have covered at giantbrainuk at gmail.com thank you very much for listening bye bye goodbye oh oh sorry bye